Let's turn to Revelation chapter 9, new chapter, how cool is that? And we're not there yet, but we're moving closer and closer to the halfway mark, but don't get too excited, it'll probably take us another year and a half to get through it. Uh, verses 1 through 6, Revelation chapter 9, then the fifth angel sounded, so we're now at the fifth trumpet judgment. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth to him, not it. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power." They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Let's pray. Father, this is a pretty intense passage, and we know that this is speaking of those who will be alive on the earth during the tribulation and those who have rejected Christ. So, Lord, it's nothing that we should be fearful or anxious about, and yet we should be concerned for the well-being of those who might be here at this time. And, Lord, again, you can use us as your, your representatives, your ambassadors, as we learn more about these things, then we can in turn share them with others, and we pray that you will lead us and guide us to those who have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today and to anyone else outside the church who is willing to listen. We ask you to bless this time of Bible study now in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice, I saw a star. This is the fifth trumpet judgment. A star fallen from heaven to the earth, and then it says, to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So this fallen star is a him, not an it. We've already seen in these earlier stages of the tribulation a lot of celestial activity, meteors, comets, asteroids, all kinds of stuff going on. But this is a him it would appear to be Satan. Back when Jesus sent the 70 out to heal the sick and cast out demons and so forth, they came back very excited and they said, uh, Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And so what he's saying is, as a result of the ministry of the seven, going out and setting people free from demonic influence, demonic power, and so forth, that that put a big dent in Satan's kingdom. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The devil was devastated by the impact that the 70 had had going forth in Jesus' name casting out demons, healing the sick, and so forth. Now we look over at Revelation 12, 3. This event actually takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation. 
We're not there yet. But another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, this is Israel, to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so we've got a whole mixture of things happening here. I've told you before, keep this in mind. I was discussing this with my wife the other day, and, and she uh, confessed a, a certain degree of confusion as well. But keep in mind, as we go through this book of Revelation, not everything is chronological. So we will see flashbacks, we will see flash-forwards. And in this verse, we see several things. We see that Satan's tail, he's the dragon, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And so this happened way back, even before the beginning of human history, when Satan was cast out of heaven because he tried to usurp the throne, the authority, the power of God. And so God cast him out of that realm, there are multiple levels of heaven. Okay, Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. That's where the throne room of God is. The first heaven is the heaven we see all around us. The second heaven, I believe, is where angelic beings tend to operate most frequently, demonic entities, fallen angels. So at this point in Revelation 12, we're, we're looking back. This is a flashback to when Satan was thrown out of heaven, and then... The dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. This was the birth of Christ, the Messiah, to devour her child as soon as it was born. He certainly tried to do that, didn't he? Satan tempted Jesus, remember, in the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, fasting, praying. The devil comes to him and tries to tempt him to uh, upend and uproot his ministry before it could even begin. The devil thought he had won when Christ was crucified. But there's an old song by a Christian music artist named Carmen called The Champion. Have you ever, how many of you ever heard that song? It's so cool. Where Jesus is down, it's like a boxing match, right? And Satan has Jesus down for the count. But instead of the normal count, one, two, three, the referee begins to count backwards. Like a rocket about to launch. Ten, nine, eight. And, of course, when it gets to zero, Christ rises from the dead and Satan realizes he's lost. He thought he had won, but he had actually lost. Revelation 12, 7. War broke out in heaven. Again, this will be the, midway, the midpoint of the tribulation. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So you see, at this point, Satan and his minions have limited access to God, to God's angels. Remember when Satan went before God to accuse Job? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He can't live there in the presence of God anymore, but they can approach from that second level of heaven. They can approach God. And at this point, Michael and his angels have a battle with Satan and his angels. No place was found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. 
Folks, that's when things are really going to get gnarly here on the earth. This is the final round, if you will, the final phase where Satan's activities and those of his demonic entities, his fallen angels, will be totally and entirely focused here on planet earth. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? From what we see even now. This is nothing compared to what it's going to be like during the second half of the tribulation, which is called the Great Tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. It will be during the second half of the tribulation what will be the uh, trigger point when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple in Israel to be worshipped as God. And then those who were wise among the Jewish people will flee to the rock city of Petra in Jordan where they'll be protected for three and a half years. We'll get to all this later on. I'm just giving you a little preview of coming attractions. But here we see Revelation 9.1, this fifth trumpet sounded and Satan falls from heaven to the earth and then to him the fallen star Lucifer was given the key to the bottomless pit. The Greek is a buso, the abyss. And there are many, myself included, who believe that this is actually the shaft or the portal to hell. Within this abyss at the center of the earth, it would seem that many demonic entities are contained and restrained. So again, you think it's bad now. The Bible clearly teaches that there are some fallen angels, some demonic entities that are so horrible that God found it necessary to restrain them, to contain them, not let them roam freely about the planet until the appointed time. Now who gives Satan this key? God, Jesus Christ. Luke 8.30, remember when Jesus sends the demonic horde called legion into the swine and they plunge off of the cliff and drown themselves in the sea of galilee luke 8 30 jesus asked him the demoniac but he's actually speaking to the demonic entity within the demoniac the gadarene demoniac what is your name and he said legion because many demons had entered him and they begged him Something like 2,000, actually, if you can even imagine that. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. So we see here Jesus Christ has the authority to send those demonic entities into the abyss, the abuso, the bottomless pit. The demons recognize his authority to do so, and they beg him not to send them there. Then in 2 Peter 2.2, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And if we were to go back in depth into this passage in Second Peter, if you've been here a while, you've probably heard me teach on this, that the belief, the understanding is, when we go back to Genesis 6, it tells us that the sons of God, and in the Bible when it refers to, to the sons of God, particularly in the Old Testament, it is referring to angelic beings. 
you look in the book of Job, it talks about when the sons of God went before him. It's talking about the angels. We're told in Genesis 6, the sons of God came down and had relations with human women, which resulted in the Nephilim, the human angelic hybrids. It's kind of a controversial doctrine. A lot of people don't want to accept it or believe it or look into it. But it was actually the first time in human history where there was an attempt to modify the human genome. Guess what's happening today? They're modifying the human genome. And if you've ever been puzzled by, well, we get into Revelation chapter 13, and it tells us that anybody who accepts the mark of the beast is basically irredeemable. Gee, is Hillary a prophetess? I don't know. What would have to happen to cause a human being to be irredeemable? Because the Bible clearly teaches that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? There is no sin that God cannot and will not forgive. And yet somehow these folks who take the mark of the beast cannot be saved. The Bible clearly teaches that. Once you take that mark, you cannot be saved. Now, in, in the days of Noah, God destroyed the entire human race except for Noah and his family the belief, the understanding by many who have studied these things is that the rest of the human population of Noah's day, their genetics had been modified. And if you go to the apocryphal book of the book of Enoch, Enoch goes into great detail about these things. These angelic beings, fallen angels, their goal, their purpose was to make the human race irredeemable. What do you think Satan's goal is? He doesn't want anybody going to heaven. He wants everybody to go to hell with him. So to make a long story short, what would make a human being unsavable, irredeemable, is if their genetic encoding was modified so that they were no longer human. Think Bill Gates and people like him. There's an entire movement on the planet today. It's real. If you don't believe me, look it up for yourself. It's called transhumanism, post-humanism, CRISPR-9 technology, genetic modification. It's happening in labs all over the world right now. We'll get into this more in just a moment. The reason that these particular angels that Peter speaks about in 2 Peter 2.2, 2, God cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. We believe these are those fallen angels who engineered this first attempt to pollute, modify, disrupt the human genome by doing that which was forbidden. We're told in the Bible they left their first estate their first estate was to be in the heavenly realms. Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. He didn't say they could not procreate. He simply said they do not. There's no marriage in heaven. These angels violated that. They came down and did this horrible thing by 
cohabitating with human women and creating. Where do you think all the giants came from in the ancient land of Canaan? And by the way, there is archaeological evidence to the maximum that giants dwelled upon various parts of this planet in times past. A lot of it's been hidden. You ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Do you remember at the end of the movie where they go into this giant warehouse and there's all these boxes and crates full of all kinds of hidden relics and information? Do you realize we're only told what they want us to know? They don't tell us everything that there is to know. They only tell us what they want us to know. But if you study prior to this, the 20th century, going back to the 1800s and before, a lot of the evidence that they discovered archaeologically of giants around different parts of the planet, it wasn't hidden. But then as we evolved, so to speak, into the 20th century, the powers that be realized these are probably things people shouldn't know. L.A. Marzulli, you remember L.A.? He was here with us several times. He's made it his life's work to study these things. I would encourage you, if you have the time and the interest, look him up, L.A. Marzulli. Look up his website. He's got incredible information about these things. But that's why these angels were constrained, because their sin was of the highest magnitude, attempting to defile the human race, making the human race irredeemable. So what does Satan do with this key? Verse 2, he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Notice he only did this with God's permission. God gives him the key to do this. The devil can only go as far as God allows. You realize that? You know, we, we err when we go around giving the devil too much credit. The devil did this to me, the devil did that, so on and so forth. Because anything that the devil does, it's only because God allows him to do it. And if God allows him to do it, for the believer, what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. For the non-believer, that's another story. You don't have the, the protection and the guardianship of God and his holy angels if you're not putting your faith and your trust in Christ as the Savior of your soul you're on your own. You're a free-range chicken. And you might get broiled or deep-fried. And again, the devil can only go as far as God allows. But unfortunately for the people on the earth during the tribulation, God is going to allow a lot. Right now, you know, the Holy Spirit is restraining. The Holy Spirit living in, in millions and perhaps billions of Christians all over the planet, is a restraining force in this world. But we've seen the diminishing of that restraining force, haven't we? As the church has become weaker and weaker, as the gospel has been watered down, as more and more people are embracing a false gospel, the restraining force of the church is waning. Why do we have unfettered, unlimited abortion today? Because the church has become weak. Why do we have unfettered pornography? I mean, when I was young, a while back, it wasn't that easy to get. You know, you go into the 7-Eleven or the Circle K, it was behind the counter, they had a big wooden board over it so you couldn't see it, and they certainly wouldn't sell it to a little kid. 
Now little kids just go on the internet and then get whatever they want. I would propose to you it's because of the weakness of the church. The restraining force of the church has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker. Which is another good reason for God to rapture us out of here. I've told you several times, I believe, the greatest impact we can have in this world will be when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. More people are going to get saved when that happens than at any time between now and then. I believe that. I believe that. So it's a, in a sense, it's a no-lose situation. It's no-lose for us because we get to go be with Jesus. It's no-lose for the people of this world because they're going to have concrete evidence of the reality of God, the reality of Jesus Christ, as His people disappear, and then they will have to make a choice. Many will make the wrong choice. Not all. But many. In fact, most will make the wrong choice. So he opens the bottomless pit. Notice back in Job 1.12, to, to make my point, that Satan has to ask God's permission to mess with us. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he, Job, has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And that's exactly what the devil did. He took his wife, he took his kids, he took his cattle, everything. He did as much as God would allow. God said, the only thing you can't do is you can't kill him. Well, thanks, God. <laughs> That's something. And then God restored it all to him. But notice, he had to have God's permission. So keep in mind, the next time you know something unpleasant happens, now sometimes we create our own bad situations, don't we? We can't blame God or the devil for that one. That's our own stupidity. Okay? But many times, yes, God allows the enemy to, quote, mess with us because it's going to strengthen us. It's called endurance training. No pain, no gain, right? If God just made everything peaches and cream for us here on this planet, we would be weak, we'd be flabby, right? apathetic, lethargic, and so on. He allows things to grow us, to strengthen us, because the Bible says he or she, we must be gender correct here, he or she who endures to the end will be saved. But what if you don't have any endurance? God is dedicated to building into us endurance, perseverance, strength, Another thing is that when we go through trials and difficulties and we come out the other side, we're more appreciative of the blessings, are we not? Kids who get spoiled, who get everything they want all the time, never any punishment, never any consequences, they don't appreciate what they have. And we don't, sometimes don't appreciate what we have in Christ, but you know, we learn to be more appreciative as we go through the hard knocks of life. So he opens the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Well, I don't know about you, but that definitely sounds like hell to me. So he opened up this channel to hell, this portal, which I believe is real. And I'm not the only one. Many people believe it. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. We've already seen 
how a third of the sun's light, a third of the stars, a third of the moon had been blocked out by the volcanic eruptions and all the other turmoil going on on the earth. Also, we talked about the fact that nuclear activity can create uh, ash and so forth that can pollute the air. So any number of factors leading up to this. But now, on top of all that, the smoke emanating from the abyss, the abuso, the bottomless pit, results in further darkening and diminishing of the sun's light through pollution. Think of people with respiratory disease, and there are more and more of those people on the planet now than there ever have been as well. And by the way, how many of you have heard, if I'm not getting the name wrong, the Hadron Collider in Europe? It's this massive thing several miles across that they've been experimenting with. And you know what the purpose of the Hadron Collider is? It's to open up another dimension. Did you know that? These crazy, maniacal scientists and technology folks are literally, purposefully trying to open up other dimensions to interact with our dimension. And they don't have any idea what they're messing with, what's going to come through there. It's, it's, is this unbelievable? Is this incredible? The time that we're living in? It just sounds too fantastic to be true, but it's all absolutely true, and you and I are living in it. As a believer, I find it exciting. If I wasn't a believer, I probably wouldn't know the difference, but I'm sure glad I'm a believer, I'll tell you that. Verse 3. Okay, then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, now, inasmuch as they came up they, out of the abyss, they're going to come up out of the abuso, the bottomless pit, I think we can deduce with a great deal of certainty that these locusts, if you will, are some type of demonic entity. We'll see that more as we go along. To them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. What is the power of a scorpion? To sting, to cause pain, to poison, and to kill. If it's the right kind of scorpion and you get stung at the right time in the right place, it can kill you. Luke 10, 19. Remember the 70? Here's what he tells them. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when Jesus talks about serpents and scorpions and then he ties it in, to the power of the enemy, he is actually talking about demonic entities. Now, we know it can be literal, too. Paul had a viper grab onto his hand, remember? The viper, it should have killed him. That viper bite should have killed him. He shook it off, and he was fine. So this can be applied literally, but it can also be applied on the spiritual level. In the Bible, Satan is the serpent or the dragon. Serpents and scorpions have spiritual... Um, connotations as demonic entities and he tells the 70 I give you authority to trample on them so I believe these locusts coming up out of the abyss are some type of demonic entity they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads and so we've seen how one third of the trees and the vegetation has already been destroyed right remember last week but these demonic entities are told, no, don't touch any of that. 
focus on those who do not have the seal of God. Remember the 144,000 who were sealed? They are not to be touched, nor are any people, I believe, who are converted by them. By the way, locusts, we are told not to harm the grass of the earth, any green thing or any tree. Locusts have been the scourge of the Middle East and Africa for thousands of years. Their destructive powers over vegetation are legendary. Uh, and much of these things has already been damaged, as we've seen. What remains is to be left untouched, at least for now. And normally, this would be exactly what normal, normal locusts would target. Exodus 10:12, the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left." So they'd already had the destruction by hail. Now whatever's left over, the, the locusts are going to destroy. Deuteronomy 28:42, "Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land." Joel 1:4, "What the chewing locusts left, the swarming locusts has eaten." What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. But here's the trick. Here's the thing. God likens invading armies of men or demons to swarms of locusts. Jeremiah 51, 27. Set up a banner in the land, blow the trumpet among the nations, prepare the nations against her, call the kingdoms together against her, Ararat, many, and Ashkenaz, Appoint a general against her, cause the horses to come up like the bristling locusts. So what we're seeing here, folks, is a demonic, a supernatural demonic army. Swarming hordes of demonic entities. Now, we've talked about some of the crazy technological scientific stuff going on in our world right now. Chimeras, where they're blending genes from one animal with another and even with human DNA. You've heard about this, right? Again, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a fantasy. This is real. If there's any evil deed that can be done, mankind will find a way to do it. Do you realize that? Man's desire from the very beginning is to become God himself. He inherited that from the devil. That's why Nimrod built the Tower of Babel to reach up into the heavens, not to get in touch with God, but to become God, and if anything, to get in touch with the fallen angels, not the good guys. And I've said this for years now, modern technology has become the modern Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel's been rebuilt. When God saw what Nimrod and his people had done, he confounded them, he confused them, he spread them over the earth, Gave them all different languages so they couldn't communicate because the more man's able to communicate, the more trouble he gets into. And guess what's happening today? The communication barriers are down. Right? You can go on the internet, you can translate something out of any language to your language, back and forth. You ever seen a little translate button? Plus, technology is a universal language. Computer language is a universal language we already have seen the erection of the modern Tower of Babel. Man again trying to reach up into the heavens and become his own God. That's where we're at. And that would be the sign of the last days. So think about this. We talk about these locusts, these demonic entities. 
We have other options here that could come into play. We know that cloning has been going on for years. We really probably don't know how far it's actually gone. It's been put forward that uh, would a clone have a soul? If you had a human clone, would they have a soul? Because they weren't created by God in the image of God, right? They're created in a laboratory. So would that then create a vacuum which could be filled by a demonic entity? Right? The demon looks at this clone says, there's no soul in this guy or gal. I'll just make myself at home. Humanoids, there's already much serious talk about implantation of microchips into people's brains. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, all these guys. Just thoughts about some of the other implications. Have you ever heard of the super soldier program? Some type of super soldier inhabited by demons. Where will this all go? Wherever it goes, we know it will not be good. Have you ever heard of DARPA? For decades after its inception in 1958, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, the Central Research and Development Organization of the Department of Defense, focused on developing vast weapons systems. Starting in 1990 and owing to individuals like this guy Gorman, a new focus was put on soldiers, airmen, and sailors on transforming humans for war. The progress of those efforts, to the extent it can be assessed through public information, hints at war's future and raises questions about whether military technology can be stopped or should be. By 2001, however, DARPA had unveiled two exoskeleton programs. This is almost 20, this is 20 years ago. And by 2013, in partnership with U.S. Special Operations Command, DARPA had started work on a super soldier suit called Talos, the Tactical Assault Light Operator Suit. Unlike anything in the history of warfare, engineered with full body ballistics projection, or protection rather, integrated heating and cooling systems, I would like that, mostly the cooling system because I'm always hot, embedded sensors, antennas and computers 3D audio to indicate where a fellow warfighter is by the sound of his voice. We've already seen this, some of this stuff in movies, haven't we? Optics for vision in various light conditions, life-saving oxygen and hemorrhage controls, and more. Talos is strikingly close to the futuristic exoskeleton that Gorman first envisioned for DARPA 25 years ago and aims to be fully functional by 2018. So this was more than two years ago when this article came out. I am here to announce that we are building Iron Man, President Barack Obama said of the suit during a manufacturing innovation event in 2014. When the president said this has been a secret project we've been working on for a long time, he wasn't kidding. So the target of these demonic hordes and again, whether they will emerge directly from the abyss and begin to attack people, or will they gain entry into willing hosts like clones, humanoids, super soldiers? We don't know for sure. And uh, I plan to be watching from up high with my binoculars. <laughs> Actually, I probably won't need binoculars. I have a feeling these eyeballs we're going to get are going to be pretty amazing. 
The target will be unsaved men, not the 144,000, nor those who have not taken the mark of the beast. Here's where the script gets flipped. Because we know that those who refuse the mark are going to be beheaded for their faith, but God is allowing Satan, with the help of these demonic entities, to target those who do not have the mark of God on their foreheads. Let me quote from my Pastor Chuck Smith. He says, so at this point, God is going to start separating those who have his seal in their foreheads from those who do not, even as God made a separation in the plagues of Egypt. And there was darkness in Egypt, but in Israel there was not darkness. Do you remember that back from the book of uh, Exodus? Darkness in Egypt, no darkness in Israel. Frogs in Egypt, but among the camp of the Israelites there were no frogs. There were frogs in their beds, frogs in their kneading troughs, and so forth for the Egyptians, but not for the Jewish people. These Egyptians would knead their dough and there'd be frogs everywhere except in the area of Israel. God made a separation, a difference, and as Pastor Chuck says, so he will again. There's an important point to be made here. We've talked about how many of the believers, if not most, those who come to Christ during the tribulation will be martyred for their faith. However, there will be believers who will survive to the end of the tribulation. God will protect them. Here's the reason why. They will enter the millennial kingdom as mortals. You and I will be immortal. Pretty cool. But again, Jesus said we will be like the angels in heaven. We won't be married anymore. We won't be procreating anymore. And most of the earth's population is going to be wiped out during the tribulation. Jesus is going to rule over this earth for a thousand years Who's he going to rule? Well, those who survive the tribulation as mortals, believers, Matthew 25, the separation of the sheep and the goats. You can go there later and read it. The sheep enter the millennial kingdom as mortals. The goats, bye-bye. The wicked, the unbelievers who survive to the end of the tribulation will be cast out along with the rest of the wicked. The mortals who enter the millennial kingdom, having survived the tribulation, will be those who will repopulate the earth. There will be believers who survive until the end of the tribulation. And they're the ones who will enter the millennium as mortals and repopulate the earth. Okay, verse 5. They were not given authority to kill them, the wicked, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now here's where it gets really interesting. This is a very interesting statement. They were not given authority to kill them. The authority, a do not kill directive, could come from Satan or it could come from human masterminds controlling these demonic hordes as we've talked about the multiple possibilities and options. However, it's a do not kill directive. But to torment them for five months. Why five months? Some have speculated that perhaps to bring them into submission to the Antichrist. You won't yield. We'll make you yield. You'll want to die, but you can't. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Oh my. That kind of sounds like a vaccine or an implant, doesn't it? Hello? Hello? 
Wow. <laughs> Every time we teach through this book, it becomes more and more relevant to the time we're living in. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Have you ever felt so horrible you thought death might be preferable? They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Somehow they will be prevented from exercising the suicide option. And by the way, the mRNA, the messenger RNA element within the various COVID-19 vaccines is being called by those involved in its development a type of software being introduced into the recipient's DNA. This is not from me. This is from the people who made it. They're calling it a software which at some point, quote, will require upgrades. See, we've crossed the line, folks. We've crossed the threshold. When I was a kid, way back in the day, Sonny, <laughs> we had four vaccines, and three of them are combined into one. The DTP, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, or whooping cough. We had the DTP and smallpox. Remember the little scar on your arm from the smallpox? Today, kids have at least 16, some say as many as 28. These are not your father and mother's vaccines, my friends. And many have attributed things like autism, all kinds of debilitating afflictions because of these vaccines. We have crossed the line. We've crossed the threshold. And just like, some, well, like we've seen in some sci-fi movies, in the not-too-distant future, the scientific and technology communities will have the ability, folks, to control and manipulate the physical and mental functions of human beings. I mentioned CRISPR technology, gene editing, it's already going on, microchips, so-called vaccines. And by the way, the COVID vaccine is not a vaccine. Did you know that? Because a vaccine has some of the actual sickness in it. A flu vaccine has some of the flu virus in it. The smallpox vaccine has some smallpox and so on and so forth. There's no COVID-19 in the COVID-19 vaccine. It is a biological entity called by the makers a software. I'm not, if anybody's had it, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to freak you out. If you've gotten one and you're supposed to get two, well, I'd pray real hard about that. Again, as I said quite a while back, it is, at the very least, paving the way and preparing the way for the mark of the beast. We've entered a whole new realm, folks. This is not the realm of measles shots and mumps and smallpox. It's a whole new ball game. Chuck Smith, imagine a person taking a 45 and putting it to a skull and pulling the trigger and blowing the backside of his head off and his brain is all over the room and yet he does not die. The spirit not leaving the body. And he goes around with this hole in his head but he keeps on living. The spirit won't leave. This is a potential scenario based upon what we're reading here. They could not die. They were afflicted for five months, but they could not die. That could be horrible, says Pastor Chuck. So these people, alive during the tribulation, that don't have the mark of God on their foreheads, they're, they're irredeemable, they're unsaved, they will be targeted by these demonic entities, 
They might attempt to kill themselves, perhaps even mutilating themselves in the process, but God will not allow their spirits to leave their bodies, and this would in essence produce a zombie apocalypse. And I've been telling you guys for years that all the obsession with zombies in the TV programs and the movies and so forth was prophetic and that these things would be taking place in the last days. Really good time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes? Let's stand. Let's stand. Because he has not appointed us to suffer wrath. This is the appointment that the wicked have with the punishment, the judgment, the wrath of God. But you know what? You can put all that to rest right now by inviting Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Confessing your sins, repenting, turning from your sins and turning to God, inviting Christ into your heart, into your life, acknowledging Him as your Lord and Savior. I encourage anyone here today or watching on the Internet, if you've not done that, do it today. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, raise your hand. Father, I lift up each one now that's raised their hand. You know what's going on inside of each one. You know us inside and out. You know us better than we know ourselves. I just pray that you would encourage, comfort, strengthen. Lord, if healing is needed, physical healing, that you would bring that healing to their bodies, whether it's for them or someone else that they're praying for this morning. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has no boundaries. You can move anytime, any place, any way. You're not restricted by any means. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. Lord, we could be praying for someone halfway around the world, and it's not a problem. You could touch them this very moment. So I pray for each one that's raised their hand, whether it's for themselves personally or for someone else. Lord, that you'd hear their cry, hear their prayer. We thank you, God. You promised if we ask anything in Jesus' name that you would hear that prayer, you would answer that prayer. So we do pray for healing where it's needed, physical healing. We pray for healing of relationships. We pray for healing of mental and emotional issues. Lord, for those who want to receive Christ today, we pray that you would hear their cry, that you would enter their life and set them free, washing them and cleansing them of their sins and imparting to them the precious gift of eternal life. Lord, whatever else is going on, whether it's economics, it's a job situation, it's some hardship, we ask you to come in like a flood and just meet every need. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.